Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. We're trying to build the atmosphere out. Steve, what do you think of the atmosphere this morning thus far? Um, you know, I think it was a slow start, but I think people are starting to wake up in their spirits. So, I think so too. That's how I felt. James? Yes. They received coupons coming in to say they're coming to change it, to put it in the bathroom, so I just want to remind them. Very good. I said coupons, and I just used the same word. I have stopping shop right now, but I'm church. Give me another word. Okay. Joe, what did you I'm sorry, I should have made that joke long. Can you say that again? You should have. Joanne, would you say it, please? Yeah, you say it. Everybody would see the handout. When they walked in about changes the heel, because we need to know who is attending the open class to get it count. So if you got one and you didn't put it in the open basket, did you give it to an usher on the way out? We need that one now. Give it to an usher on the way out. All right. Well, we are in the second part of a series here this morning. And uh, we've entitled the series Home Improvements. How many of you were here last week? You know what? I actually had a couple of people ask. You were one of them last night. And people were asking, can I have that PowerPoint? So I inadvertently forgot because I know some people want to look at some of the slides, especially what Dr. Spock Townsend, the list that they put up, what makes a mature adult. So uh, we will endeavor to get that to you this week. Bob, I sent that to you. Yeah, that. Right. yeah. So we're, we're in a series, though, we're talking about relationships. This is not just a series about marriage, you know, because there are people in here that are not married. And I think next week I'm going to take a really bold step. If you have younger people uh, that live in your house, or maybe they don't even live in your house, I think it'll be a Sunday to bring them. I think God really wants me to talk, but it's not just going to be for them. Every single message is about relationships, all of our relationships. Yeah. And these are skills that we need to learn as people. Skills! I don't know if we have that. Scott, we have that PowerPoint because I wanted to review a little bit. I wanted to review, first of all, what we talked about last week. And here we go. So if you don't mind, because I know as a teacher, right, as a teacher doing this a long time, being in a high school classroom, we forget what we learned yesterday. Right? Isn't that the truth? So sometimes we need to go back and look at things. Do you have notes? Do I have notes? So I have notes. Slides are getting cut off. They're getting cut off. Display issues. Yeah. So I need. Oh, all right. I'll just go and yeah. I don't have a lot of slides, but okay. if you can maybe pull up my passage, that would be great. My scripture passage. Oh, there we go. All right. So here we go. Um, yeah, that's not working. All right. I'll just read from here. You got it. All right. Good. Whatever happened, it worked. Oh, it's not working. Okay. I'll really stop looking at it. Uh, first thing we said last week, thank gosh I wrote this down. Uh, marriage was designed by God to complement and not complete people. How many of you remember we said that? Marriage is not to... I said the Jerry Maguire movie, he was wrong. You can't complete somebody. And we're going to talk about that again in this message. All right, number two, something we talked, we said... Two people must be complete in and of themselves. They must be adults before they marry. Dr. Henry Cloud says that in one of his books. We are not to be people that look to go into marriage and that marriage will make us whole. 
Marriage will not make us whole. Marriage is an institution that was started by God, and we went into Genesis last week, and the institution of marriage is where two whole people are to come together. And I said, if you bring two half people into a marriage, two half people is going to make hell in a relationship, right? Yeah, I'm just making sure you're with me, because we're going to get going in a little bit, right? I just want to make sure y'all are awake. You got your seatbelts on. We said you don't fall in love with the person they are, but the person they are becoming. And we always marry the wrong person. Because we're never the right person. But we think we are. Did you hear what I said? Some of you weren't here last week. We always marry the wrong person. That Duke theology professor was so right. We never marry the right person. We become this person. We grow into the relationship. Marriage is, and if you're single in here, it doesn't mean that you don't have something in life. God designed marriage for two people to come together and that there would be an extension of the life that we experience. That life would be experienced in a different way. And that the two people can complement each other and they can come together and be vulnerable and take off the costumes. And really, in a sense, be naked and say, it's not about the false self and who I'm supposed to be, but this is who I really am. And God is not impressed with our false selves and who we think we are and who we think we need to be. God is impressed with who we really are. Let me just tell you something. This is the hardest series to follow notes. I even said, you know what I did last night? I'm just going to tell you. Pastor Linda is so, and she's met last night. She looked, comes in at like 10.30. She said, don't you tell those people that I helped you. You just get up there and preach. You don't have to give me credit. I can't do it without saying it. This is something we are a church that are about being, we want to be emotionally healthy people. It's foundational to City on a Hill Church. It is the gospel. Never been there before, right? And you went in the backyard 
and you saw the grounds and you, you were so taken by the beauty and you're like, everything is so manicured and you looked at all the flowers and then the person that you've never been there before, you said, man, your backyard is absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous, stunning, like your house in James. Stunning! And then you would say to me, it just kind of happened. There was an explosion in the sky and I woke up one day and this is what I saw when I came outside. That's how some of us kind of look at marriage. Anybody that's learned a skill, anybody that has learned that if it's a musical instrument, whether it's any talent, it's sports or theater, whatever it is, people have to work for it. And I know someone is saying, but I saw in 60 Minutes there was a three-year-old kid that he knew how to play Mozart. Forget about that kid. <laughs> We're not, that's not us. Marriage is something we have to work at. And again, listen, practical, practical skills. I can't say it enough. These are practical skills that can help us in our relationships. All of our relationships. Not some of them, but all of them. And it's, you know, Linda Lecce, theologian, Linda Lecce. She said to me last night, you know what I did? I didn't tell you something. I'm going so fast. I'm all over. I have so much I want to give you. I taped our conversation last night. I taped it. We had like an hour and a half conversation yesterday afternoon. Hey, listen. When you live next door to someone, I'm well read. Listen, I read a lot, but when you listen to somebody that has 40 plus years of experience in dealing with this whole topic, you hide your phone and you take that whole conversation. Right? You know I, I drove over here and went, you know what? She needs to hear some of this because she's the same. She was a woman running the church years ago. I didn't fully understand that as a kid, but now I do. Not only was she a woman, she was trying to bring it. She was on the forefront ahead of her time. Bring the emotionally healthy spirituality to the church. So you know, she was trying to But anyway, you know, Tuesday is morning the book. And I said to her on the way over, I said, you know what we're going to do now? For as long as I have you, woman. Samuel 1, we're testing um, one of the senior pastors to see if they know 
where First Samuel is. Oh, you're gonna read it to me or what? Did you want me to read it? I didn't know. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> the first eight verses of. You want me to read it or you want to read it? I'll just I'll read it. I'll just read it. What a nice mom, though. She was trying to help her son out. Now there was a certain man of Ramathabe Zophim. Gosh. And his name was Elpina, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, Tofu, the son of Zu, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. Two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. And the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah, again, who's the husband, to make an offering, he would give portions of Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah very much. But again, although the Lord had closed her womb, so here is a woman that is barren. She wants to have kids, but she can't. Verse 7, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. This is the, this is the other wife. I'm going to get into polygamy. Some of you are sitting there. What's the deal with polygamy in the Old Testament? Okay? Uh, go up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkina, again, who's the husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Listen to this line. Am I not better to you than ten sons? One of my favorite lines in the whole Bible. Here, so here are the characters again. You can see some of it, but you have two women. You have, uh, you have Hannah and you have a woman named Penina. You have a man, a husband. He has two wives. His name is Elkanah. Is everyone with me? I want to make sure we're on the same page. Now, can I give you the historical context? Polygamy is not something that God was in favor of. God was not like, just marry as many people as you want. That wasn't something, it wasn't part of God's design. It wasn't part of God's plan. But in the culture in which these individuals lived, if a woman was not able to propagate the man's line, lineage, right, wasn't able to give him children, especially sons, then he was allowed to find another wife who could actually fulfill that purpose. So here is a man, you had to have a lot of means. You had to be pretty wealthy. You know what I found out? Because I'm reading this text, this guy had a lot of money. Because it costs a lot of money to have one wife. Can I get a testosterone praise on that? Woo, you're in trouble back there. Not me, I'm talking about you. Not me. But here is a man, right? He has these two wives and I love this story because you see one woman where it says he, he loves her more than the other one, which is dysfunctional. We know that. And he's trying to give her a double portion of all the meat that, 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 that think about grass-fed, free-range filet mignon. You get a double portion, woman, because that's how much I love you. And here are these characters in the story, and this is why I'm teaching from this story. 
because I want to talk to two different groups, and you should relate to both characters. I'm, Penina, we just put her on the back burner. Hi, Penina. Bye, Penina. But we want to look at Hannah, and we want to look at Elkanah. And I think I want to speak to people in the room this morning that are like Elkanah. Here is Elkanah, the husband. He has a problem on his hands. He wants to fix something and he's frustrated because he can't fix the problem that is so near and dear to the heart of the woman he loves most in this world. Do I have any frustrated fixers in the house? (laughs) And then I want to talk to the Hannahs in the room of people that have very strong disappointment that life didn't work out the way you planned. There was an expectation that you had that never came to fruition in your life and you are disappointed. And I would say and put before us in the beginning of the sermon that I think it's important that we understand that we can be both, we, can, we should relate to both characters at different times in our lives. Because there are times I don't care if you're a woman right? You may be frustrated because you're trying to fix something. And if you're a man, there is something in your life that you look at and say, I am so disappointed by. And I said it before again, but it, it bears repeating, right? Marriage is so beautiful to have two people come together and grow together, but it is hard. Think about it, right? You take two people, right? That almost, do we, do men and, do we look at the world a little bit differently? Men and women, Do we perceive things, right, in the universe? It's almost like we're from separate solar systems, right? And then you take two people that have an attraction and and they get to know each other and it's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stick you in a house, we're going to lock the door, and you're going to live for the rest of your lives together until you have burial plots next to each other. That's what we're going to do and you're going to figure it out and you're going to fight about the toilet paper. Which way do you take it off? Which way does it go? And you're going to fight about holidays. Are we going to your mom's house this year? Are we going to my house? Where are we going? All these problems. It's like taking Cinderella and, and Huck Finn and putting them in a submarine and closing the hatch and saying, good luck, figure it out. No, I'm married, but marriage is beautiful. I said last week, this is where God gets at things in our lives that he can't get at any other way. He says, you know that issue you have with your pride? I'm going to get at it in your marriage. You know the issue you have with your anger and you didn't know it was there? I'm going to get at it in your marriage. The place that you didn't think it was going to happen, I'm going to bring all that junk and dysfunction out and I'm going to work on you if you let me. That's the key. If we'll actually let them work on us, that's the problem. So you have these two characters. We should be able to relate to both of them at some point. Can we start with Hannah? Can I start here? And I look at Hannah and I see somebody that no matter what God has done for me in my life, have you ever been here before? Can you relate to this? There is one thing in your life that is unfulfilled. There is one thing that you want so bad, but everything else in life is going so well for you, but we get so unhappy about the one thing, and then we get unhappy that we're unhappy with the one thing, and that makes us unhappier. That makes us angry about that thing that we can't change in our lives. I guess I'm the only one. I'm just preaching from experience. All this is experience from just from my own life as the preacher. 
Because I feel this way a lot of times and I see her and she's so unhappy. And the thing about not just her heart, but all of our hearts is it doesn't matter how much encouragement or love is poured into somebody sometimes if they're broken. Do you hear what I said? It doesn't matter how much love we pour into someone because if the other person is broken, they're going to leak. And that stuff can't stay inside. And the problem is we're coming at it from our own brokenness. Why is there a need that I, what is the need that I have to fill in my wife's life or my husband's life or my friend's life? Why am I doing this? And then the other person has their own brokenness and that's where dysfunction comes in. Can I go deep in this sermon? I don't want to sit up here at the surface. I want to go deep. I really do. Because I think this is where the rubber meets the road. And I think sometimes we're under the illusion, or we can be deluded, that we think if we get that person to say those words to us that we so long to hear and affirm us and tell us who we are, then you know what? Everything will be okay. But the problem with that thinking is if we get a little bit and we get a little affirmation and we're broken and we're leaking and we're not dealing and we haven't been to changes that heal and we, don't, we have unhealthy boundaries... What happens is it's like salt water. We get a little bit of it and then we want more. You don't tell an alcoholic, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a little bit of alcohol and then you'll want to stop. No, the alcoholic's going to want more. You don't tell someone that has a porn addiction. You don't say, just look at a little bit of porn and then you'll be okay because they'll want more. You don't tell someone that has approval addiction, get a little approval from someone and then you know what? You'll be good. It's not true. Can I tell you this is, and I didn't put it up there for you, but this is so good. Dan Allender, who's a Christian psychologist, um, wait, what did, he said, we break addiction by finding a different source of affirmation, get this, that is capable of filling the need that is represented in our brokenness. Oh, I got to say that again because you can't get all that. We break the addiction by finding a different source of affirmation that is capable of filling the need that is represented in our brokenness. How much do you love me? Just, no, 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 I'm not going to pull you up. I just, in a few minutes, I'm going to need your help. I just was checking to see, I'm doing a series on, we're doing a series on marriage. I want us to model for the church what love looks like. What is love? All right. I want to do, I want to have a little illustration here. All right, I have, t- I have two things. Just don't worry, I'm not going to, don't, I know, I know. First of all, first of all, I have a hammer that I, um, I borrowed um, from my dad. You know, in my house, it's, I need that, don't, uh, thank you. Uh, we're, we're just talking now. This, this hammer's from like the Great Depression. I don't know, this is my grandfather's hammer. But I liked it, you know why I liked it? Because it looks like it's been used a lot. It's never been used by this guy, but it's been used a lot. The other day, Megan said, hey, honey, where's the hammer? I don't know where the hammer is. You think I know where there's a hammer in this house? You really think I'm going to know where there's a hammer? But we know what the purpose of this is, right? Right? You know what the purpose of this is. To nail something down, if there were nails or spikes, you would use a hammer, right? So we'll put that over here. Next thing, I'm, an, I'm Italian, right? You have to. It's, it's required as an Italian. You have some Pellegrino in your house. So here is a bottle of Pellegrino. We know the intended purpose of this bottle is we, we, we open it, right? I'm not gonna, what are you worried about? We, 
I'm a man. By the way, I'm a, like, talk about it, it would have been that kind of Sunday because, first of all, I got a little stain. I got some of the grape juice on my shirt. And I said, you know what? No, that's a good thing. You got the elements on you before you're going up to preach today. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to my illustration, please. That's a hammer. This is water. We know what the intended purpose is of each item, don't we? Okay. If I try to take the hammer and drink from the hammer, am I going to be successful? No, because that is not the purpose in which the hammer was created. And if I try to take, trust me, I'm not going to do anything crazy today. (laughs) Not one of those sermons, I would tell you. But if I took this bottle of water, and I'm not, and I try to pretend, wow, you're all really scarred from me up here preaching, right? (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. So if I took this bottled water, and I had some nails, and I'm hammering in the nails or a stake into the ground, that is not the purpose for which this bottle was created. And I want to tell us this morning, we're taking things that God has created in our relationships and we're not using them for the purpose in which they were created. And we're back. Wait, I'm not done. Wait, I'm not done. We are taking bottles and we're slam. No, again, We are slamming down. We are slamming, looking for approval, looking for happiness. And we're insecure and we're slamming this down. And God is saying that was not the intended purpose of the relationship. And then what happens is the bottle shatters into a thousand pieces. And we're so worried. And we look at it and go, what happened in the relationship? And God says, you were looking for that relationship to fill you. You were looking for a good thing to be a God thing. You were looking to have all of your needs met in this relationship. And there is not a man or a woman on this planet that can meet all of your needs. I'm sorry, Hannah. I'm sorry, Hannah. But he can't meet all of your needs. There's only one that can meet all of your needs. And there is a French philosopher, mathematician, his name is Blaise Pascal, and Pascal said that we're an infinite chasm inside, and we take finite things, good things, and we try to fill the infinite chasm with finite things, but something that is infinite can only be filled with something that is infinite, and that is God, and that is love. That's why there's so much dysfunction in our relationships. And we're wondering why, and we're looking to somebody to give us something, not just in marriage, but in all of our relationships, and then we wonder why it shatters in a thousand pieces, and we wonder why we're leaking out all over the place. How come there's a wall here? How come I can't really get to know that person? What is it, God, in my marriage? Why can't I really connect to my wife and my husband? Why can't we connect in the way we really want to? Lord, I don't want them to see into me. I don't want intimacy. And God says, no, that's what I'm looking for intimacy. God wants to see into us and he wants us to see into each other. When you go back to the, can I just preach for a second and move away from that? When you go back to the Garden of Eden and you look in the story, the man and the woman, first of all, how do you mess it up? 
You are naked in the Garden of Eden in paradise, Pleasantville, 80 degrees, sunny, no snow, no ice, none of that, every single day, and you don't have any kids, and you messed it up? No kids, and you messed it up? Talk to them, those jokers, when we see them one day, right? You think about it, though, right? You look at Adam and Eve in the garden, and they had no clothes on. They were naked. Did you ever go to the store and forget? Did you ever get to a store and you're like, I forgot to put my clothes on today. I just forgot. I forgot to put my clothes on today. Right? No one ever forgets. Somebody's crazy if they do. They're crazy. They get locked up. But you know what we do? I even saw it the other day. I was at the dog's, no, the, the vet. I'm at the vet taking our puppy to the vet, right? And there were other dogs and some lady walked in and there was a poodle and the poodle had a sweater, this whole outfit on. And I said, it happened to you too, huh, pal? Because in the Garden of Eden, they took fig leaves and they covered themselves. And that's what we do. That's what we do. We put costumes on and we wonder why we don't let people see really into us. I don't know if it's powerful. I'm just preaching. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I just preach this stuff. I don't know. I told Pastor Linda, I said, man, talk about preaching over your head. I never felt like I was preaching over my head more than I preach right now. And I get why you didn't want to do it. You did classes on this stuff. But doing it on a Sunday is intimidating. This was one of those Sundays. I'm like, can we just worship forever? Can we just keep going? But I'm glad you're with me, y'all. Glad you're with me. Where am I? And there we are. We're pounding, pounding, right? And there's no amount. I said, there's no amount of filet mignon that can really satisfy her soul. There's no amount of affirmation that we're going to get from somebody else. Why do we always think that somebody else is really good? I, I keep saying it, but we don't really get it. Why do we really think someone else is going to ultimately complete us? That, that, that you know, who was it? The theologian Chris Rock? He said, you know, he, what? He said, either you're, you're single and you're lonely or you're married and you're bored. That's what he said. He got divorced a little bit later on after he said that. But, uh, yeah. But it's interesting, and I think we just, we have a false picture. We have such a distorted picture of what relationships are really supposed to be like. Do you remember last week I also told you why do all the movies, the, the, the fairy tales, why do they end at the marriage? Because nobody wants to see what happens after, right? This is where the rubber meets the road, right here in, in, in the relationship and us really getting healthy and coming to grips with what's really going on. Can we talk about Elkanah? Because this is the best stuff of the sermon. That wasn't the best. I think this is the best stuff coming up. And I look at Elkanah, and I see somebody that is a fixer, right? He is trying to fix a situation. Now, I, I know, again, I, I always speak to this, right? I have learned over the years in marriage not to try to fix something, to call in an expert, to call someone in, to call Joe Pinto in last week when I can't unclog the drain, and I've tried pouring bottles of Drano down it, and nothing works. I know to get somebody else to help me fix the situation. But here is a guy that has a situation and he can't fix it. Has anybody ever been there before? You have a situation and you're trying to fix it and you can't fix it. And you're frustrated with it. Frustrated. By the way, on fixing, can I just say this? This is a little PG-13, but I hope you can handle it. Did you know that studies prove that men are more attracted, uh, attractive to women when they are working around the house? Did you know that? When you're fixing stuff, when you, so what I'm telling you is, men, if you want a romantic evening tonight, what I, what I highly recommend you do is pick up one of these instead of picking up the remote and watching the Giants lose because you're going to look, studies say, more attractive to your spouse. And some of you are uncomfortable because we don't ever mention 
intimacy like that in church and we need to right come on some of you are too religious why are you being religious god invented sex i didn't invent sex but there are parameters and there are boundaries that god put in place to help us and that's next week to save us so we don't get burned you wait i have an illustration next week oh i can't wait i can't wait one week at a time one week at a time so here he is and he's a fixer and he can fix the issue that is most important to the person he loves and what does he do and you know what i've done for so long and i'm 14 years into marriage you know what i've done so many times wrong and i'm just learning how to do it right and maybe somebody else will have some sympathy or maybe you can empathize with me you know what i've always done when my wife has come to me with issues and situations and sometimes we over the last four years we've been through hell and I can't fix the situation. So what I do sometimes, I try to fix it. And I go, and in some ways, I'm blowing her off. But she doesn't want me to fix the situation. Men, listen to me. They're not looking for us to fix the situation. They're asking us to jump into the pain, their pain, because it's so lonely and it's so dark. And instead of going, yeah, it's going to be okay, which I've done a thousand times, I'm learning to sit and listen to my wife and her cares and concerns and go, is it really that dark inside there? What's really going on inside? Because at the end of the day, it's about fear. Honey, what is your greatest fear that you have? Because love casts out fear and I'm going to come in with some love in our relationship and the enemy's going to have to leave. The enemy can't stay. Cast out fear. Darkness has to leave when light comes into the situation and we bring love into that situation. And my wife, I have to quote my wife. She said to me last night, she said, the fear of being in the pain alone makes the pain worse. Isn't that good? Baby, maybe you should come up here next week and talk about relationships. (laughs) The fear of being in pain alone makes the pain worse. You know what one of the biggest gifts is that we, we can help people with is just the, the gift of understanding where they're coming from. Do you understand? That's one of the biggest gifts we can give someone in any relationship, not just a marriage, to sit down and look into the face of another human being and say, I don't, I, I don't think I can do anything, but I'm in the pain with you. And when someone says that to us, it frees us from the shackles and the enemy and the forces of hell have to run because, oh my gosh, there is a couple that understands it. They get it that love can break through and love can win and love can save the day. Oh... Now, on the other hand, we as spouses or we in relationships, do you know we're not responsible for the other person's feelings? Hmm, is that a contradiction, James? Because you just told me I'm supposed to jump into the pain, somebody's pain when it's dark, when they're confused, they're confounded. No, 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 listen to me. I'm not confused and I'm not contradicting myself. What I'm saying is, Yes, in a relationship, you care for the other person. You want to comfort them in their pain. But it is, at the end of the day, it is not my job to make her happy. Did you hear what I said? It is not your job in a relationship. And some of us are trying to do that. It's dysfunctional. We're trying to make the other person. Do you ever try to make someone happy? It's an impossible project. You're driving home from work, right? And you want to come in and see your, 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 maybe your wife. 
guys, keep this to yourself. Keep inner dialogue, inner dialogue, right? Don't look next to you. Just look straight at me. We'll get through this together, right? And you're driving home, and you know at home is maybe somebody that is unhappy. And I don't know, it could be unhappy because maybe they think you're not making enough money. You're not buying enough nice things. You're not listening enough to them. You're not meeting their needs. We are not responsible to... I have to just brief... I have to just do it briefly. I'm going to do it really quick. I need a couple of pillows here. Do I have a couple in the house? Just really fast. Anybody want to come up? No, you're not going to... You're just going to stand up here. Don't make me call you out. Don't make me do it. There's two pillows. Do we have another pillow? Could somebody... John, can you grab another pillow over there? Any, just a couple. Anybody. Why don't you just come on up? Just come up. Just come up. Okay. So give them a hand, yeah. Mike, good to have you in the house, man. Get it up, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Give it up for Mike. Mike, don't punch me, though. All right. So here's the deal. And I got this in a, this was from a book, and I read it over the summer, getting preparing for the series. And the book title is Scary Close. And the author is Donald Miller. Can you stand on those, those pillows on the side, if you don't mind? Stand yeah, yeah. Uh, stand next. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to get in trouble if you do that. So don't do that. Typical guy, right? A woman would be up here and go, like, they would never have gotten that wrong, but I did. Forgiveness, that was part of the list, right? Grace for those people, mature adults. So this is what was so cool. This guy, Donald Miller, said he was at, um, he was at like a conference, and there was a Christian psychologist, and they talked about the fact that they said, okay, this is your life. This is your soul. This is your life. This is your soul. So think about yourselves in any relationship that you're in. This is yours. That is yours. You are never to step over on her side, her pillow. These are her thoughts. These are her feelings. This is who she is. We are never to tell someone else what they're supposed to do. You have to act this way. You have to see life this way. If you're a Republican, your wife's a Democrat, whatever, I don't know. You are not to try to make them see life the way you see it. You with me? Never to jump on the other person's pillow, but can you two come together? Can you come right here? Don't be afraid. (laughs) Now, this pillow in the middle represents who you are as a couple, and you two step on this pillow together, and you make decisions about what you want in the relationship together. You define things in the relationship on this pillow together. You're not trying to change the other person, but you say, this works for me in the relationship. And she says, this works for me in the relationship. And you define what the relationship looks like. But too many of us are jumping on the other person's pillow, trying to change them. Women, stop trying to change your husbands. It's God's job. Get out of the way. You're not fixing Felix. Thank you. Give them a hand for that. How long have you two been dating? 11 years. Woo! Give it up. Not easy. All right, so... Can you give me a few more minutes? I promise I'll be done soon. Can you give me a few more minutes? You all right? You all right? You know when a preacher says that, right? They really don't... They're just steamrolling right over you. So... If we are not responsible 
for somebody else's actions. Now, here is the best. I know I'm throwing illustrations at you, but I couldn't help it. I hope just some of this stuff really sticks with you. The Apostle Paul, this is what he says in Galatians, because I know some of us may still be confused. And this is what he says in Galatians. I forgot. I keep forgetting it's not up there. I need Galatians 6-2 pulled up. First person that has it, you win a prize. You may win a gift certificate to a restaurant that you love. It may be McDonald's, but nonetheless, you're going to win a gift certificate somewhere. But it also could be a gift certificate from Pastor Joe to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. All right, ready? Now, this is Galatians 6. I'm going to read you two verses, verse 2 and verse 5. And verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to focus on that word burden. So bear one another's burdens so to fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 5, if you go down, it says, For each one shall bear his own load. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Okay, there are two words up here. The doctors delve into this. This was one of the greatest illustrations in everything I've come across. Pastor Lynn and I were talking about it last night. There is a difference between the word burdens and load, and I just have to show it to you this way because it'll make a little bit more sense. I promise I'll be quick. Oh, good, this door is open. It's kind of cool to talk when you can't see me. (laughs) I enjoyed that. Now, this is an exercise ball, but I don't want you to think of it as an exercise ball. This is, I want you to think, that word in Hebrew, burdens, it's the word in for boulder, for boulder. So we are to, right, carry one another's boulders. But look at the last part. But then it says for each should carry their own load. Is Paul confused? Because if I have to carry my boulders and burdens, and I have to carry your boulders and burdens, why get up in the morning? Serious. Why get up in the morning? I'm going to carry your stuff and I have to carry my own stuff? This is what it really means. What he's saying is, and the doctors did such a good job on this, the burdens that we have, the boulders, we are to help carry other people's burdens, boulders, when they are incapacitated, when they are unable to carry something for themselves. It is codependency and dysfunctional if we are carrying things for people that they can carry for themselves, but there are times when somebody goes through a divorce and you have to be carried. There are times when your kid is going through medical issues and you need to be carried. You know, I told you we've been through hell for the last four years. I don't give you a lot of detail, but I'm just going to tell you, we've been through a lot. And you know what's amazing to me? How many of you, I think of the prayer team, how many people, of course my parents, of course my in-laws, how they've carried us and they've buoyed us. But I think of other people. I think of my sister-in-law and brother. I, I think of all these people. And then I think of you. I think of my sister this morning, last night. My wife and I, my, my, my wife, we're talking about all the people, we're talking about Danielle, Ryan, all these people that are close to us. And I said, you know what's interesting about my sister? You know how many times my sister would carry me, I'd be going to work, and there was something going on, and there was a test maybe we had to go through, and I had to come stand in this pulpit, and she's like, you know what? You're a Navy SEAL. Don't you forget. You get your finger caught, chopped off, shot off. You get back in there. You keep going, and she helped me carry all of the burdens, and other people have helped me carry. We're not meant to carry all the boulders ourselves. We're not meant to. Now, on the other side of it is, I brought the bag out. I'm using it twice because what the doctors say is the word load in Greek is a knapsack. 
Everyone see the knapsack? What is inside of the knapsack? It is your emotions. It is your thoughts. It is your feelings. That is yours. We are never to pick up someone's knapsack and carry it for them. We can pick up the boulders until they are ready. Did you hear me? What is the difference? What's the difference between being loved and being rescued? You're rescuing if you're carrying them when they should be walking themselves. How about, can I talk to parents for a second? Can I talk to parents for a second? There is a Christian psychologist by the name of Kevin Lehman. I use his work at school. Oh, please tell me. Oh, thank gosh I put this one in. I don't know if you, Scott, if you want to put up the next one. Uh, This is Dr. Kevin Lehman. He's a specialist when it comes to like birth order. This is what he said. I, I love, this was an article Pastor Lynn had sent me. And he said this, doing anything for your kid that he could do for himself actually accomplishes the opposite of what you truly want. It ruins your child's chance for success in life because it weakens their resolve, kills their resilience, tears down their self-concept, and diminishes their desire to do anything in life on their own. Wow, that's good preaching right there, man. This guy's not, that was preaching to me because we're carrying our kids' knapsacks. And they called it lawnmower parenting, but in the article, it's snowplow parenting. We're trying to pave the way and clean everything out. And don't look at me, some of you parents that have adult kids, because you're codependent too. And you're doing the same thing, trying to carry your kids in problems they should be carrying. Wow, it's quiet today, which means it's good preaching. Is this hitting home? Are you, are you seeing this? For your own life? If you're looking at this going, let me tell you something. If you're looking at this and you're going, this is for the person next to me, you have a problem. I'm worried about you. I'm not worried about the person next to me. I'm worried about you because this is the Bible. Is for, this, is, this is the gospel. It's for everyone. It transcends gender, right? It transcends age. It transcends color. This is who God created us to be and he wants us to be emotionally healthy people. Wow. I mean, the only exception on that. I mean, if your wife says to you, honey, like my wife will ask me sometimes, honey, can you go downstairs and get me a glass of water? Carry your own knapsack, woman. (laughs) I'm going to be sleeping on the couch. That's not what we're talking about here, right? Pastor Linda has shared this before. You want to hear a great definition? And she shared this with the women in the class. And I, I, I read a lot of different definitions, and I thought this is the best one of codependency. Codependency is that you're brought to the edge of a cliff, and you're about to fall off, and you don't see your life flash before your eyes. You see someone else's life flash before your eyes. We're trying to rescue. Too many of us are trying to rescue. And I do it. She looked at, my wife looked at me last night and said, you're bad with Jameson, and I'm bad with Nolan. And I said, you know what? You're right. I do it. I'm just like you. I'm no different than you. I have brokenness just like you do. And trying to fix those areas and look at them, and it can be frustrating, but we can do it together in the context of community, in the context of coming together in classes. If this place is not packed on Tuesday night and next Saturday, I'm going to prank your house at 2 o'clock in the morning for the next month. Can we have, you know, some, I don't, I'm going to get in trouble probably, but I think sometimes we go, can we just have a Bible study? I just want a Bible study. Listen, of course, the most important thing we can do is get into the Word, but guess what? You are getting into the Word by getting into this material. That's what it is. Henry Clyde was on a plane and someone, he, he gave them something, some pearl of wisdom, right, from one of his books, but it was from scriptures. Where did you get that from? He's like, the Bible? The Bible. This is not antithetical. This is not. This is the Bible. This is the gospel. All right, music team, you, got, you better start to come up because I'm going to roll through these two things quick. 
five, just five. I feel like this is more of a clash. You got five more minutes with me? You got five more minutes? Can I talk a little bit? Because I'm trying to get a lot in. Can we talk a little bit about unrealistic expectations that we have in marriage too? Unrealistic expectations or in relationships, not just in marriage. I think sometimes, you know, we, we look at the, like the window display and we're like, oh my gosh, I like that. That looks really good. And then you take it home and you're like, that's not, what I, that's not what I had in the display window. Where's what I saw in the display window? And the person looks back at you and goes, do you think you're exactly what I saw in the display window? When you get an Amazon box and you get a delivery and you open up, this isn't what I ordered. Unrealistic expectations. Pastor Linda said one of the biggest things she has seen all of her years of counseling, people will say, well, they're just not meeting my needs. I shouldn't be sounding like a woman when I say that because men do the same thing, right? We all do it. And we all say the other person is not meeting my needs. And I would say to us, what are the, the needs, the pillows? Have you come together and talked about what realistic expectations are in the relationship? Because that's part of the problem. They're just unsaid. We don't say them to each other. Unrealistic expectations. You know what one of the biggest unrealistic expectations is? Is that once you fall in love, you're going to be in love forever. And you're just going to dance around and be so happy. And you're never going to wake up. You're going to wake up and look at your spouse and go, Honey, I just love the eye boogers. I love them in the morning. I love to stare at them. Oh, you never wake up in the morning and go, Yuck. You never wake up and say, Oh, look at the other person and get mad at them and go, Get away. I don't want to be in your presence. Oh, that never happens in marriage. You just 365 forever until they bury you. You just feel like heavenly bliss all the time. We think, you know what the problem is? It's been taught to us that love is a feeling. No, love is an action word. Love is a verb. Your feelings follow your actions. We just want to, I'm not in love with them anymore. Stop being moved by your feelings. It's action. Like we just go, I fell in love. I just fell in love. Like we fell into a ditch. I fell in love with them. Oh, I just fell into the ditch. Oh, it's just going to last forever. I love what Tim Keller says. And he says this, that we think that love will never ebb. Look at this. This is so good. If you're in a relationship and maybe you're thinking about getting married one day, to, look at this. This is so good. Oops. Right. Look what he says. He says, people get from books the idea that if you have married the right person, you may expect to go on being in love forever. As a result, when they find they are not, they think this proves they have made a mistake and are entitled to a change. Let the thrill go. Let it die away. Go on through that period of death into the quieter interests and happiness that follow, and you will find you are living in a world of new thrills all the time, but that's what we want, right? But if you decide to make thrills your regular diet and try to prolong them artificially, they will all get weaker and weaker and fewer and fewer, and you will be a bored, disillusioned old man for the rest of your life. And I say that shouting it from this church this morning because that's what our culture says. That is not the Bible. I said to us, marriage is work. But when we work together and deal with our dysfunction, we don't look around and we don't let our feelings just move us. Come on, church. I hope this is hitting home. I hope this is hitting home. I hope it's hitting home. And, and, and here's the last one. I said it to you just before. I mean, unexpressed expectations. Unexpressed. Same thing with the pillows. How much marital and relational difficulty we have 
because of unexpressed expectations in the relationship. We have not come together on the middle pillow as a couple, as friends, husband, I mean, parents with their kids and said, look, these are what my expectations are for you. We don't do it. Unexpressed. And we think, you know what the dysfunction is, what the doctors say? It's mind reading. Oh, you're just supposed to read my mind. If you love me, you will read my mind. No idea why I'm using the English accent, but I wanted to. If you love me, you will read my mind. That's crazy talk. How am I supposed to read your mind? Although I did. It was so funny the other day, two days ago. I went somewhere to get someone a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. And I got the box of chocolates and I brought it to this person. But I said, you know what? My wife loves jelly rings and I'm a good husband, right? So I have to get those. And I went home and you know what she said to me? I said, honey, we were out. And I said, honey, I forgot to give them to you, but I got you jelly rings today. She said, that was a test because I knew you were going to the chocolate store. And I was like, what? What do you mean it was a test? I've been married for 14 years. You're testing me? That means I don't love you? Next time I'm not coming home with the jelly rings. This is the, what am I on here? What is this? Every week is a test every What's today's test, honey? What's the test today? Let me figure it out. What is it? What is it? <laughs> Crazy. But we expect somebody else to read our mind. And the expectation sometimes that we have of what somebody needs, they don't, they're not saying that. And vice versa unexpressed expectation. So as we leave here today, can I give us this? As we leave here today, I think it's important that we sit down with our, with our significant others, with our friends, even with our kids, and we talk about, we, you know, we do inventory on everything, our cars. We get an oil change. We have assessments. I'm a teacher. You give kids assessments. You have a quiz. You have a test. You have an essay on this. Let's see how much you actually know. I need to see where you're at. You go to a doctor and they say your triglycerides are high, Pastor Joe, or your HDL, or your LDL, whatever it is. It's high, it's low, fix this, you need some B12. How come we're not doing it in our relationships? How come we don't? You're gonna, so many, and the thing that hurts, because I worked my butt off, and you know what I think? I leave here and I know I can't do it on my own, it has to be a, a move of God, I think God is moving. But we have to take this serious. It's not enough to hear the word. We have to be doers of the word. We have to take it and we have to digest it and we have to talk about it. And finally, I, I promise this is my last comment. Pastor Linda said you need to, to and Pastor Linda is going to talk about this when she does her class. And she's like, you can steal it if you want because obviously she can say it in a way that I can't say it. Okay. In the, at the end of the book, Safe People, John and Henry say, you're to find the people that are closest to you and ready to ask them two questions. What do I do that makes you feel close to me? And what do I do that pushes you away from me? Do you know how healthy our relationships will be if we actually have the nerve to take off the costumes and to be real with each other and say, you know what, this is when I feel close. Don't you know you feel close to somebody when you're vulnerable? You can't manipulate it. How close do you feel when somebody opens up and they're transparent and they let you see inside of them? They let we see inside into them what is pushing us away and what is drawing us close. That's our homework for this week. There's a lot in here. And Lord, Lord, I just want, Lord, I want to pray. Father, I ask that you continue to work on all of us we're all under construction. Father, in the midst of difficult, challenging circumstances in life, 
may we look to you. May we stop looking to other people. May we stop expecting that they can fill a need that really only you can fill. And also in our relationships, just that they would be healthy. You've given us the institution of marriage as a picture of what we'll ultimately we'll see. It's Christ and the church. Lord, we want to be a healthy bride as a church, Lord. We're sick of being stuck in our dysfunction and our old ways. Lord, transform us. Sanctify us into the image and likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, spirit of the living God, move in this place. Music team, why don't you just start singing? Why don't we stand up? Father, move on us right now. May we have, may we have talks when we go home here. Friends, there are conversations that need to happen. There are Hannah's in this room, and you need to tell someone, I've been looking for you to meet a need that you can't meet. You can't meet. Nobody can be Jesus in the flesh. Nobody can meet all of your needs. Welcome to reality. Nobody can. And there are Elkanas in the room that are frustrated, and you need to go to somebody and say, you know what? It's your spouse, somebody you love, even one of your kids, and say, I've been trying to fix everything for you. I've been trying to be the helicopter parent. I've been trying to make everything easy for you. And you know what? I just need to listen to you. I'm not jumping on your pillow. Those are your thoughts. Those are your feelings. I'm going to help carry in life your boulders, but I'm not picking your knapsack up anymore. We deal with our dysfunction, church. You coming back for part three? You coming back for part three? Lord, do it. Lord, do it. Make us healthy in this place. Father, that's who we are. We want to be emotionally healthy people, Lord. Father, may we do away with the false selves and the shoulds and, the, and we're supposed to do this. And we have to read the Bible this much every single day. Lord, we want real life. We want life and life to the full. Father, fill us. Fill us with rivers of living water, Lord Jesus. Oh, I have to stop, church, because I'll just keep going. I love this stuff because I, you know what? I'm teaching myself. More than any topic I've ever got up here and taught before, I'm teaching myself. It's hard. This is hard stuff. No one ever said it was going to be easy, but it's worth it. Marriage is worth it. It's worth it. God invented it because he said the two, you, you should, it's not good for man to be alone, and the two shall become one when they're whole. Steve, give us, belt the song out for us. Send these people on their way. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.